0: Chapter 16 of The Return of Alfred by Herbert George Jenkins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anna Simon. Chapter 16. PC Possel assumes his uniform. "'Are you the village constable?' "'I be, sir,' replied John Possel, wishing he were in uniform, and that he had selected another day for cleaning out the furl-house. The indications all pointed to a case. "'I've been assaulted.' The speaker was the man in the brown and white check suit, whom Eric had pinked, as he called it, the previous Saturday afternoon on the way back from Norwich. Assaulted, sir! You don't mean it! John Postle's heart leapt with joy. In a flash he saw his portrait in the papers, particularly the London papers. He saw himself arresting dangerous characters. He saw himself promoted. He saw... Where had you been assaulted, sir? He heard himself inquiring. "'About three miles from here,' said the stranger, and he went on to say that he had been forced to accept a lift to Norwich from a passing carter, both for himself and his motor-bicycle. This accounted for the delay in lodging his complaint. "'Aye, but what part of the body, sir?' asked Possel eagerly. He was more than ever resentful that the fowls should have claimed him on this of all days. His uniform would have made all the difference in the world.' "'I was in a stooping position,' explained the stranger with great delicacy. Possel rubbed his chin with the pad of his right thumb, which bore marked evidences of his recent occupation. The law required the utmost detail. In his own mind he was quite satisfied that the stranger had been kicked, but he doubted if his superiors would consider assaulted whilst in a stooping position as sufficiently explicit.' The impressive appearance of the prosecutor, as in his own mind he already called him, with his luxuriant auburn moustache, seemed to forbid a demand for further particulars. "'I was bending over my motorcycle,' continued the stranger, "'which had developed engine trouble when I was shot. "'Shot!' the word burst from Don Postle's lips like a shout of thanksgiving. At last his hour had come. Without a word he turned and bolted to the house, leaving the stranger with the auburn moustache, gazing into a little room crowded with the village constable's cherished possessions. Before, however, he had time to make up his mind whether or not to enter, Postle reappeared, struggling into his official tunic, his helmet on the back of his head. A few seconds later his calloused hands grasped notebook and pencil. PC Postle was prepared for the great moment of his official career. A man had been shot in little bilstead. Already he saw the newspapers, full of the sensation. He heard paper-boys shouting the news in the streets of London. He saw himself at the pigeons, a dictator, knowing neither thirst nor interruption. "'You are shot, sir,' he began, the tip of the pencil pressed against his lower lip, his eyes searching the stranger's generous person for bloodstains. "'You come inside, sir,' he added with inspiration, suddenly becoming conscious that a little fringe of juvenile spectators was collecting round the gate.' The stranger entered the little room, to which the front door gave direct access, and seated himself at the round table in the centre, whilst Postle worked industriously with his stub of pencil, pausing after every other word to moisten the tip. "'Shot in a stooping position,' he read slowly as he wrote. "'With—' "'What were you shot with, sir? Was it a gun or a pistol?' he inquired, looking up. "'I think it was a catapult.' In a flash, P.C. Postle's house of cards was demolished. A catapult! Although it was an irregular and illegal proceeding for one liege subject of His Majesty King George to assault another, even with a catapult, there was something almost grotesque in the view that a catapult was a lethal weapon. There was about John Postle nothing of the sleuth-hound, with a face that is a mask for the emotions behind. His surprise and disappointment expressed themselves so clearly in his widened eyes and half-open mouth that the stranger felt called upon to say something in justification of his charge. If I'd been riding my motorcycle instead of standing by it, he said, I might have been killed. Besides, it hurt; it still hurts. He added, and he shifted uneasily in his chair, with flagging and laborious pencil. Postle took down the remaining particulars the stranger had to give. His heart was no longer in his task, he even regretted having donned his official tunic. The absurdity of assuming such a garment to take down details of a man having been shot at by someone with a catapult was obvious even to him, and he was proud of his uniform. And besides, there was no blood. To John Postle, assault without bloodshed was not crime as he understood it. He always thought of the victim as weltering in his own blood. It added colour to the crime. He proceeded to rub his chin with the pad of a dubious thumb. He was a little uncertain as to the next step in the procedure. Had it been murder, with a weltering corpse, he would have known exactly what was required of him. But a man assaulted by a catapult whilst in a stooping position? This presented difficulties. "'Did you see the prisoner?' he inquired anticipating the natural order of events. "'Did I see,' queried the stranger. "'Did you see the man what assaulted you, sir?' inquired Postle, whilst in a stooping position, he added as an afterthought. "'It was the man,' said the stranger irascibly. "'It was a boy, a boy with red hair. He was in a motor-car. I took the number of the car, or at least part of it.' And he dived into his breast-pocket. "'It was—' He drew a notebook from his pocket, and gazed at it earnestly. N-O-7-8, and some other figure I could not quite see. It was partly covered with mud. Postle looked solemn as he still rubbed a bristly chin with his left thumb. The number of the car, even in its incomplete state, coupled with the redness of the hair of the delinquent, constituted clues of the utmost importance. In other words, he had identified the aggressor, and the knowledge embarrassed him. After all... The complainant, or prosecutor, he was not yet quite sure how he ought to classify him, was a stranger, and with him all strangers were suspect. On the other hand, there was Miss Marjorie to be thought of. About Eric he troubled nothing, all boys were young varmin, but the idea of causing Miss Marjorie trouble or worry was alien to his thoughts. There was, however, the official aspect of the case to be considered.' "'I have to go on to Norwich now to get a new magneto,' announced the stranger, caressing the auburn luxuriance that cascaded from his upper lip. "'I shall be back in a few days. If you haven't found this boy by then, I shall report the matter at Scotland Yard.' Postle shivered at the mention of Scotland Yard. He was impressed by the stranger's firm demeanour. He might be anybody. "'It's Master Eric, that's a sure moral,' was his unuttered thought. I think sir he said turning to the stranger i got a clue you know this boy postle hesitated it seemed disloyal to miss marjorie to betray eric still there was duty to be considered i fare to think i can find him sir by the time you're back then i shall want you to take me to a magistrate and obtain a summons for shooting at you with a catapult while in a stooping position murmured postle as the stranger rose With a sigh he straightened his tunic, and cast a glance at his boots, which still bore traces of the foul house. Opening the door, he stood aside for the other to pass out. A moment later he was startled by an exclamation from his visitor, and he had a vision of the burly figure running down the path, shouting to someone to stop. "'That's him!' cried the stranger over his shoulder, pointing at Eric, who had just passed the house and was walking in the direction of the grange. "'That's the young scoundrel!' he cried dramatically. "'I give him in charge.' The recognition had been mutual. One swift glance over his shoulder had been sufficient to enable Eric to identify the man he had pinked. Without hesitation he took to his heels. Postle was fumbling at the tails of his tunic for the notebook he had just returned to its customary place of abode. The situation was not without its embarrassments. "'Why didn't you catch him?' demanded the stranger. Postle rubbed his chin. "'Why hadn't he effected an arrest?' In his own mind he clung tenaciously to the terminology of the weekly paper he devoured from breakfast time till bedtime each Sunday. I'll he began, when he stopped suddenly. Coming towards them was Miss Mary Jell. At the sight of the stranger she paused. Is anything the matter, apostle? she inquired, looking up shyly at the florid figure of the stranger, at a loss to classify him. This be the prosecutor, Miss Mary, was the stammered reply. He say that, master, that he had been shot while he was in a... Shot, repeated Miss Mary in horror. How dreadful! Are you... With a catapult, miss, broke in the stranger, thus assisting in his own classification. The prosecutor said he had engine trouble, explained Postle, and that he was shot while in a stooping position. He stopped suddenly. The stranger was coughing violently. Miss Mary blushed while Postle looked from one to the other uncomprehendingly. "'I'm so sorry,' said Miss Mary, feeling dreadfully adventurous in addressing a stranger who had not been introduced to her. "'I hope it—it it didn't hurt.' It was the stranger's turn to show embarrassment. He flushed a brick red. "'Constable,' he said, to cover his confusion. "'I—I—' I, then, with a lifting of his cap and a bow to Miss Mary that thrilled her, he turned and made off in the direction taken by the fugitive Eric. For nearly a minute Postle stood regarding the impressive brown-and-white check back of the man who had brought a transitory hope to his official heart. "'Well, I'm danged,' he muttered, pushing his helmet still further back and proceeding to scratch a puzzled head. "'If that ain't a rum He turned to Miss Mary for comfort but she was retreating hurriedly in the opposite direction from that taken by the smitten stranger. Slowly P.C. Postle returned to the Fowl house minus his helmet and tunic, whilst Miss Mary hurried back to the cedars. For the rest of the afternoon she was engaged in a struggle between a sense of delicacy and her feeling for drama. How was she to tell Jane, and at the same time suppress the embarrassing details, when at length she told of her adventure and the inevitable question presented itself as she had foreseen it would she replied with a blush i think he was shot in the arm jane end of chapter sixteen